Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, my name is Eddie. And I'm the student director here at Journey Church. I mean, if we can go to Matthew chapter, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 25 through 26. And then we're going to jump right after to verse 31 to 33. And it reads like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more Then clothing, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We're going to skip to verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, And all these things will be added unto you. Hey, do me a favor. Look at the person that's next to you. And I want you to help me out here with what our title is for the talk this morning. Can you look at them and say, hey, what's in the box? What's in the box? I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I always feel my most anxious during the holiday season. And for me, I kind of did a little bit of soul searching and trying to figure out, well, why am I so anxious during the holiday season? So I kind of realized and I figured it out that I'm my most anxious because I'm also my most reflective. Throughout the year, uh, or actually if you go back to last year, my wife and I, we like to sit down every year. We've only been married for a year. So um, (laughs) every year we like to sit down and go over our master plan for our next year. Some of the things that we were talking about was going to the Northwest. My wife and I, we got to go to Northwest. It was a goal that we had, and we went ahead and did it. We also wanted to to, to read specific books, and we did that together. And another one, which is every couple's, like, goal throughout the year is to save money, right? Well, we saved it, but we blew it on traveling. (laughs) So, uh, but then you also look at our goals, and we were looking through them, and I'm I'm looking at what I wrote, and it's so silly. Uh, I, I got frustrated and anxious because I saw the things that we accomplished, but then I saw the things that I didn't. For example, I wanted a six-pack. How many of you guys in here wanted a six-pack last year around this time? For all of y'all raising your hand. How many of y'all got a six-pack today? <laughs> There's one guy, he's in the military, he's like, me. Yeah, I never got a six-pack, I got a six-flab. And my wife looks at me and she throws things, I'm fine, and it's all good. That's all that matters. <laughs> So I never got a six-pack. Another thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to grow out a beard. And um, am I the only guy that just grows out a beard in patches? Like, I've got two missing, like, right here, and then on this side here. It just, it doesn't grow. So I looked up on Google how to make your, uh, your, your beard grow. And I came across this website, and I don't know, I think it was fake. It didn't work. But it said to put, it said to put ham on your face. So, so I put ham on my face. And my wife comes home, and she's like, what are you doing with ham on your face? And I'm like, I'm trying to grow out my beard. Because, you know, if you got a beard, you're manly. 
uh, at least that's the day. But that's not, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I get anxious. But if I'm honest with y'all, let me ask you guys a question. As a child growing up, have you ever just walked by your Christmas tree and you kind of just, just to see if there's anything in the box that maybe you wanted for Christmas this year? I think I'm messy, so I do like the backwards kick so that no one around me can see that I just kicked the, uh, the, the, the gift. So a few weeks ago, or actually it was last week, I was at my in-law's house. And my in-laws, they have mad gifts. I'm so sorry, guys. I know I shouldn't be saying this, but y'all can't say nothing right now. <laughs> Sitting there, and I'm looking at the Christmas tree, and I'm like, wow, they've got so many gifts. So I'm like just kind of like snooping and trying to see what's for me, you know. And um, my wife comes out of the room, and she's like, stop being so annoying. And I was like, what do you mean? You do the same thing, too. And so I'm like, what do you mean I'm being annoying? And so she's like, you're being anxious. Just wait. And I'm like, what does anxiety even mean? You don't even know what it means. That's how, like, you know, we try to get into our discussions. They're not arguments. They're discussions. And so, uh, you know, we, we just, it, you don't know what anxiety means. She's like, yes, I do. It, this is what it means. And so we looked up the word anxiety, and this is what it is. I want to show you guys what the word anxiety means. And it says, it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an unknown outcome. Let me tell you a story about a time that I was super anxious. I was a part of this nine-month leadership school. I won't tell you the name of the program, um, but I was a part of this nine-month leadership school. And while I was in it, my director had this bright idea because we were about to go feed homeless people for Thanksgiving. So he had this bright idea, and he was like, well, if we're going to feed homeless people, maybe we should be homeless too. I don't know what it is. He was just like, you know what? We got to know what it is to experience being homeless so that we can feel like we've walked a mile in these people's shoes. So we did that. We didn't eat for 36 hours, y'all. Wake up at 6 a.m., we start rolling in the dirt, trying to, like, look dirty. We go to downtown Orlando. All day, we're trying to get money. By the end of the night, all we collected was $4. One of my friends was breakdancing on the corner of the street. He's actually here today. His name's AJ. Uh, he's breakdancing on the street. Some lady gave us two bucks. Now I got another friend with a homeless sign. He looked kind of homeless, so it worked. Um, <laughs> and not because he dressed like it, but he just kind of did. And so he's just holding a sign. So we got money for that. And then me, I did absolutely nothing. I just reaped the reward of the $4 we made all day asking for money. So we're like, all right, we're hungry. We're in downtown Orlando. Everything is mad expensive, so we can't really afford anywhere with $4. So we decided to go ahead and, well, let's just go to Five Guys in downtown Orlando. So we sit down, and as we're sitting, we're like, all right, let's get a medium fries, because that's all the $4 we'll cover. And so we start dividing the medium fries amongst everyone. We each probably got like six or seven french fries. I'm a 220-pound grown man with half a beard. Six french fries ain't going to help me. But here's the cool part about the story. We're sitting there, and we open up our Bibles, and we literally were reading the verse we were just reading, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And so we're sitting there, and after we're done eating and after we're done reading, you know, I was like, well, guys, let, let's pray. You know, let, let's ask God to feed us more than six French fries. So we pray, and we're like, God, would you feed us? We're hungry. Six French fries. Isn't it enough? We say amen. Out of nowhere, y'all, I can't even exaggerate this. 
I really can't. Out of nowhere, this guy gets up from his table, and he's, like, closing, and I see out of the corner of my eye, like, a box full of food, and it didn't look like it was, like, touched or eaten, and so he closes the to-go box, and I see him getting up, and I look at my friends, and I'm like, guys, God just answered our prayers. So he's walking towards us, but the thing is, is our table was next to a garbage can. We look super homeless, and so he's coming, and whoop, he goes and throws it away into the garbage can, and I'm just like, what the heck? I thought God was going to feed us. We're hungry. There is absolutely no way that God intends on feeding us out of a garbage can. Our friends are looking at, we're looking at each other, and we're just like, yo, we thought God was going to come in the clutch. We thought he was going to come and bring us food. So a few minutes go by. My stomach starts feeling a little hungrier. I started getting hangry and started cussing. In tongues. And so I'm there, and um, out of nowhere, um, go to next steps, go through small groups, and you'll know what that means. And so I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm like, guys, I think I'm going to go to the garbage can and just grab the box. So they're like, no, you're not. And I was like, you're right, I'm not. I'm just talking. And they're like, all right, all right. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the garbage can. So I go to the garbage can, I take the lid off, and I see the box, but then on top of the box, I see like half eaten burgers. I see chewed up french fries. I see like packets of ketchup and mozzarella and whatever else they put on burgers just sitting on top of this box. And I begin to get anxious because I'm just thinking there is no way that this is the way that God intended on feeding us. So here's the problem that we run into sometimes as Christians or as non-believers at times. We have a bit of a perspective problem. We come to church or we're at home praying and we're asking God for specific needs in our lives. And then we see that specific need being answered, but because it doesn't look like a way that God would answer it, we automatically write it off as an answered prayer. And so I'm looking at this box. I open, I'm just digging through this trash can. And I open this box. I look at my boys. My boys look at me. And I just start eating the french fries out of this box. They were warmed. And they were seasoned, and it was good. I was eating out of a garbage can. But the story gets even crazier. Out of nowhere, there were three guys, guys you would never think would buy you food. They get up from their table. They see me eating out of a garbage can. And they come to me, and they're like, you hungry? And I'm like, well, obviously, I'm eating of a garbage can. (laughs) That's not what I said, because I got fed that night. And if I would have said that, I wouldn't have been. So then he's like, okay, I got you, I got you. So he goes to my friends, and he buys us all Burgers, and I think here's the problem that we sometimes run into. We'll, we'll, we'll reach, or, or what, what the problem we have, and I've got a slide for you guys to show you. God will always provide us with what we need, but not always the way we prefer it. How many times have we asked God for specific needs in our lives, but because it's not packaged the way we prefer it, we automatically think that he didn't answer it. Here's the thing. You look at our Christmas trees nowadays, and some of us, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I'll look under the Christmas tree, and I start analyzing the gifts, and I'm like, man, if only, this is what my Christmas tree looks like right now. We broke, young adults, college students, and so we don't got a lot of gifts right now. So, um, you know, we look at it, we're like, man, if only there were a shiny box under my Christmas tree. You know, sometimes... You ever heard the phrase, you judge a book by its cover? I think we do the same thing with our Christmas trees. We judge a gift by the way it's packaged. 
So I'm looking under the Christmas tree, or we're looking under the Christmas tree, and we're like, man, if only I had a shinier gift under there or a box that was packaged a certain way, shiny. Sometimes we'll ask ourselves and say, man, if only I had a shinier car. If only I had a shinier diamond ring. You got to understand something. I know some of y'all maybe have not rolled up in here in a Mercedes Benz, but at least you rolled up in something. I understand that your husband may not have gotten you a, a diamond ring. He got you cubic zirconia. But at least you got something. At least you've got something. Or some of us were like, well, if only I had a bigger box under my Christmas tree, I wouldn't feel so anxious because if it's bigger, it must be better. So we're thinking, man, if only I had a bigger house. I've got three kids, and inside of those three kids, they're all inside of one bedroom. If only I had a bigger, uh, a bigger house. If only I had a bigger car. If only I had a bigger TV so that I can invite my friends over to watch the Super Bowl. Or some of us in here, for the ladies, some of y'all this, this Christmas season, you're hoping for a smaller box. But then other people are like, man, I don't want a big box. I don't want a shiny box. I want a small box, man. If only my box was smaller, I wouldn't be so anxious. If only my drama was less in my family, if only my problems were less in my family, then maybe things would be all right and I wouldn't be so anxious. We're always looking at what's under the Christmas tree to alleviate our anxiety. But I love what Jesus says to his hearers in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. We're going to put it up on the screen. Actually, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, sorry. And it says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. In other words, your remedy for your anxiety this Christmas season isn't going to be found in what's under the Christmas tree, y'all. Your remedy for your anxiety is found on who was crucified onto a tree 2,000 years ago. We're constantly looking at what's under the tree when Jesus is like, if only you would look up. If only you would look up, you would know that what your anxiety needs is me. That all you ever wanted is me. But here's the thing about anxiety, y'all. Anxiety, yeah, you know, it comes because we're afraid of what's unknown to us. But here's what I want your help in, and, and, and we're going to go ahead and move on here. I want you to look at the person behind you. And I want you to look at them with a little bit of attitude. And I want you to tell them, hey, you have control issues. Now look at the person next to you, now that you insulted somebody, encouraged somebody, and tell them, it's okay, I do too. Anxiety isn't just rooted in what's unknown to us. In uncertain times, anxiety, the reason why we feel it is because we have control issues. Let me tell y'all something. I've got control issues. My control issues are so bad, y'all, I do not let my wife drive the car when I'm in it. It's not because she's a bad driver, but if I could choose between me driving or, her, or me dying, I'd rather me driving. There was only one time she ever drove. I love my wife. She's hot. I like her. She's cool. And um, there's only one time she drove the car with me in it, and it's because I was dying. I was on my way to the hospital, and I was like, you got to drive because I can't. And never again will I uh, 
She's great, by the way. If you ever have kids and you want her to take them somewhere, um, they will survive. <laughs> but my control issues are worse than that. Let me tell you guys a story. A few years ago, right after I finished this nine-month uh, leadership school, I uh, worked for a company, and um, I was really excited because it was the first time I was going to fly by myself. And uh, my company had flown me out to Chicago, and it was the first time, so I was a bit of a nervous flyer. And I remember we're flying. The trip was about two hours long, and I started noticing, I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're kind of going down. We're descending. And so I see the airport, and I'm like, great, we're going to be touching down here real shortly. And I started kind of feeling a little bit good about it because I'm like, okay, it's been a good flight. I'm not anxious. I'm not nervous. It's been good. But then out of nowhere, I noticed that the plane just kind of kept circling around the airport. But the thing was, is that while it was circling around, it was starting to get a little turbulent. For me, I considered it extreme turbulence. And I started feeling this weird feeling in here, in my stomach, my, my flab, my sixth flab. And um, I started feeling this weird thing. And so um, I, I decided to look up what in the world, why do we feel what we feel? And this is just a side note. Did you know that your stomach serves as an accelerometer? Just like how your skin serves as a thermometer, and just as your ear serves as a barometer. I like random facts. So because my stomach was trying to shift the acceleration of the plane because of the turbulence, I started feeling this weird feeling in my stomach. So what did I do? I pressed the button that calls God, flight attendant. And she comes, and she's like, hey, you need help? With, you know, it's really, it really wasn't that bad, but I was freaking out. It was extreme in my eyes. And so I'm there, and I'm asking her, and I'm like, what is going on? She's like, uh, well, you know, we're circling. We're just waiting. And I'm like, well, we've been circling for like 30 minutes. And I feel this thing in my stomach that I can't comprehend. You need to talk to somebody to get us on the ground. So she says, okay, I will talk to the pilot. So she gets on the phone with the little gray phone that they have next to their chairs. I'm not going to say the airline. It's Southwest. And so they call, and they're like, hey, you know, this guy's freaking out. I'm pretty sure that's what she said. You know, can you just make him feel better about himself? And so the pilot goes on, not just a few minutes later, and he says this. He says, we apologize for the delay in our flights. We are waiting for the conditions to be clear. And so all I can think about is, Conditions to be clear? Are you kidding me? Do you not? I, I see the airport. It's there. It's clear. Are you blind? Can you not see the airport? There is no planes around me. There's no planes taking off. It's pretty clear. And I'm freaking out. We're waiting for the conditions to be clear. Here's the problem, though. Because of my position as a traveler on this airplane, I couldn't see what the pilot sees. I couldn't hear what the pilot hears. So all I can do is complain about why we're not landing. Some of us in here this morning, it may feel like we're circling our destination we're circling our problems. We don't see anything changing. And just like Christmas, 
Though it's a beautiful season, it's also a reminder of our lack of control. For some of us in here this morning, we have a bunch of gifts under our tree. And under these gifts, we're wondering what in the world could possibly be in these boxes. But there are some people here, they don't have any gifts this holiday season under the tree. And can I tell y'all for some, and this broke my heart the other day, I went, I, I do property management, and um, I don't know if I'm legally allowed to share this or not, but I will. I won't tell you the name. I guess I'm all right. Uh, part of my job is I have to file evictions on people, and um, there was a family that unfortunately I had to file an eviction on, and um, I go into their apartment to do a walkthrough and just to make sure that, that they're, you know, everything's all right. And I ask them, I'm like, hey, why didn't you put up a Christmas tree this year? You know, by the time your, your eviction goes through, I mean, it'll be after Christmas, at least put up your tree. She was like, well, there's no point in putting up my tree. I'm going to get evicted anyways. So there are some families today who they haven't even put up a Christmas tree this holiday season. So we grow anxious because we look under it, and we don't know what's inside of the boxes, or we're anxious because we don't even see a box in sight. And our lives at times, just like how when I was on that airplane, it may feel a little bit turbulent. It may feel like our marriages haven't gotten any better. It may feel like our children are on the wrong path. It may feel like we're alone. It may feel like your business isn't going anywhere. But this is what you need to understand. Your position in life may not allow you to see what's to come, but your position in life allows you to trust a God that can. You may not know what tomorrow will bring, but if I can encourage you, God is in your tomorrow. You may not hold your future, but God does. When life is most hectic, God is most in control. It may not feel like it, but isn't it a good thing that our feelings aren't the root of our relationship with Jesus? You want to know what's at the root of our relationship with God? For those of us in here this morning, you're saying, well, I don't have a relationship with God. Let me break this down to you. Our hope, or I'm sorry, our, the root to our anxiety, let me backtrack. The root to, 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 to our relationship with Jesus is hope. And so for some of us in here, we're probably wondering, well, what in the world does hope mean? Because hope, my understanding of it, is wishful thinking. And I hope she says yes when I ask her to be my girlfriend. I hope she says yes when I ask her to marry me. I hope I get this promotion. I hope that I get blessed with this certain thing from God. I hope, I wish someone would help me out. I wish my paychecks were a little bigger. So we equate hope with wishful thinking. But you want to know what hope is? Hope is the assurance of the things to come. So it kind of changes things a little bit here. When you're saying, I wish my paychecks were bigger so that, so I, you know, I can get a promotion and my paychecks were a little bit bigger and I could do a little bit better in life. When you're saying you hope, you're not saying, I hope one day it just happens. When you're saying is, no, I know I'm going to get this promotion because I've been working hard and I got a God that loves me and I'm favored. And so I'm going to get this. That is what hope means. Your feelings may tell you to get anxious over the unknown future, but what you need to tell your anxiety this morning is who your hope is in. Our hope isn't found in our feelings, 
and the things that are happening around us, our hope is found in a man, and his name is Jesus. Anxiety, oftentimes, is linked with our problems, and I haven't really lived that long. I'm 23 years old. I just gave away my age, and everyone older than me just tuned out and said, well, I ain't listening to you anymore. And, uh, but I think I've gone through a few things in life to have an understanding about anxiety and our problems. And so to help your Monday uh, and your Tuesday and your Wednesday, I want to give you just three tidbits of advice, three tidbits of information to help you out. And the first one I want to let you know is this. It is not okay to be controlled by your problems. It's not okay to be controlled by your problems. And the worship team, they can go ahead and say, oh, they're coming anyways. Number two, <laughs> it is okay to not be in control of your problems. It is okay to not be in control of your problems. And number three, my favorite one, when you let God take control, things will be okay. Things will be okay. I love Christmas. I do. But I've got a love and hate relationship with it at the same time. And, and I, I'll begin to tell you a little story as to why. How many of us, well, for some of us in here, have you ever, uh, during Christmas, received a gift you never wanted? Socks and lotion, dude. It might not be what I wanted, but it's what I needed. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a story? And it's a little personal, and, and uh, I hope you don't look at me or my family any differently because I'm giving you a little bit of insight into my personal life. I grew up uh, as a very happy child. I had phenomenal parents. I had a great dad, a great mom. I had a very successful business. Uh, as a child, um, there would be gifts under the tree that's not there anymore. Um, as a child, I grew up with four-wheelers and dirt bikes, big house, big yard. My family had boats, campers. I had the greatest childhood anybody can ever ask for. But when I turned 12, I stopped being a child. I woke up one morning. See, my parents, they, they, they would always leave their door unlocked. It's a horrible thing to do as parents. I'm learning that, or I learned that. I'm not learning that. We don't have kids yet. Pray with me. And uh, so my parents would always leave their door unlocked. And so I'd always sneak in the room. Yeah, 12 years old. I just, I love my parents. But I, I, I don't have a favorite parent, but I always slept on my dad's side. <laughs> And um, I remember one day, it was a, it, my dad, he goes to work, and, and uh, that morning, we wake up to literally our front door being banged on. And so I remember my mom just getting out of bed, and she's like, well, what's, what's happening? She goes to the front door. She opens the front door. And the moment she opens it, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not lying to you, there was literally 15 to 20 SWAT officers in front of my front door. All I can think about is they at the wrong door. This is not, this is weird. At the same time, I had an older sister who was battling depression, and I had a little sister who was five years old. They searched our house. They did what cops do when they searched our house. Long story short, my father ended up going to prison for 10 years innocently. Twelve years old. I was gifted the responsibility of being a man. 
And I tell you guys, I did a horrible job. Let me tell you a little bit more. At the age of 15 years old, I had to leave my public school and go to an alternative school. I went to a school called G-Star School of the Arts. I went there, it was a charter school because I didn't want to go to the alternative schools that were provided for at-risk students like myself. By the time I was a junior in high school, I got my life right with the Lord. The Lord encountered me and I encountered him. Things started looking up, right? By the time I was 18 years old, I didn't graduate high school. I had a .7 GPA. You need a 2.0 to graduate. Y'all probably like, why did JJ pick this guy to be the student director? of? He ain't even graduated high school on time. How's he gonna tell me? I went to this nine-month leadership school, I graduated it, and I ended up getting my diploma a few months after. I have a high school diploma, I'm a college student currently, it's okay. You're probably wondering, why would you consider that a gift? What you loved was taken away from you, how would you consider that a gift? Let me tell you another story. I've got the best in-laws ever, I really do. And uh, I remember one time I was gifted a ceiling fan. Now, you got to remember, I never had my dad in the picture. So I got this ceiling fan, and I remember this day like it was yesterday. I had my tank top on. I was about 30 pounds lighter, okay? And I'm on the, on the bed, and I'm putting up this, feeling, this ceiling fan. And my wife looks at me, and she's like, are you sure you know what you're doing? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Look at my biceps. <laughs> with my six flap. <laughs> and so I'm there and I'm putting up the ceiling fan. 30 minutes later, I just give up. And I was so frustrated because I couldn't put up a ceiling fan in front of my wife. And so I go to the living room and I just start crying because I'm just like, man, if only I would have had my dad in the picture, I would have been able to put up my own ceiling fan. But here's the problem we run into. Oftentimes, we get so focused on what's taken away that we never can see what's given to us. And so in that very same moment, my wife comes to me and says, well, why don't you call Nelson, my father-in-law? And I felt so dumb. So I'm like, why am I crying? I mean, I have had my dad for those 10 years to know how to put up a ceiling fan, but I have an in-law just 20 minutes away that if I would have just asked him to help me put it up and teach me, he would have. When our eyes are focused on what is taken away from us, we're never gonna be able to see what is given to us. So how in the world is my dad being taken away from me considered a gift? Let me show you this verse. It's in Ephesians chapter two, verse seven through eight. Now God has us where he wants us. Does that not give you a little bit of peace in the midst of your anxiety to know that God wants you exactly where he wants you? Exactly where he wants you. With all the time in the world. All times. We're looking at our time and we're like, there's just not enough time. There is no way. But God exists out of time. That's why he's got all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving 
is all his idea in his word. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish. From start to finish. From when I was born to my great childhood to when my dad was in prison to when my mom was ill to when my sister was depressed to now, today, all the way until the day I die. It is God's gift from beginning to end. From start to finish. I know that I lost my dad for 10 years. But I gained something this world can never give me. I gained Jesus. I got Jesus. Something this world could have never provided or given me. There is no counselor you can sit with that can offer you this. But when you got Jesus, that's all you need. Man, I got Jesus. I got Jesus. I don't know for some of us in here, it may feel like life's been falling apart. Some of you guys in here, you don't, you're on the brink of divorce, but can I tell you to not give up? Don't let anxiety take control of you. Just because you don't know what's to come. Some of us in here, we're looking at our kids and we're just like, man, I don't even know. I don't even know if God can turn this around. We're looking at our businesses and we're thinking about closing them. I've got some encouragement for you this morning. It's in 2 Corinthians, or it's in 1 Corinthians 4.17, and it says this. For our present troubles are small. Are small and won't last very long. You're probably wondering, how can he say that? He'll know what I've gone through. Can I tell you, you know who wrote this? His name is Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. You want to know something about Paul? He was lashed on his back. He was shipwrecked. He had so much going against him. But he was saying that our problems are small and won't last very long. But here's the good news. They produce for us a glory that far outweighs them and will last forever we don't look the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever when I look at my dad's story and my story and what I dealt with and I look where I'm at today I'm not complaining I'm thanking him. I'm thanking him. Because had it not been for what I had to deal with, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. 
or text Journey ORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.